0: This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in depth interviews only heard here. And now from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show. Bob
1: Howard. And welcome everybody to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for December 7th, 2023. This is uh season 13, episode number 9 and episode 394 in the long-standing podcast that is the Power Play Post Show welcome everybody to the show i am bob howard Uh, i want to thank you for coming on and listening to us this week i believe we have a great show and uh, i have a great guest that i am very excited to have on the show um i know that i cover the binghamton black bears that is the team that is 10 minutes away from me um right here uh at box studios in kirkwood new york and uh But like I did with the Power Play Post Show, uh, the 11 years that I did it uh, during my AHL years, uh, definitely want to uh, cover more than just the Binghamton Black Bears whenever I can. And I thought this was a great opportunity to be able to have the gentleman on that is going to be on today. And so I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear that. Uh, but let's get through the uh, the usual first. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show. It is a private group uh, that you can come in and you're going to get all the information on the Power Play Post Show. And you can obviously, you know, maybe share it to your friends and have them join as well. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. And, of course, on this episode of the Power Play Post Show, Director of Media Relations and Communications Play-by-Play Broadcaster of the Carolina Thunderbirds, he is Brendan Riley. So we're excited to have Brendan on. Had a great conversation with him earlier today as we were recording this here on Wednesday and uh, um, really excited to have you guys hear that interview with uh, Brendan brand new broadcaster here in the Federal Prospects Hockey League and uh, he did uh, he does a really good job and he's a part of a good organization, right? And so I think number one, I mean when you look at the the top four or five teams in the FBHL right now, and some of the teams, you really can't count in that conversation because, of course, they're brand new. You know, uh, Baton Rouge and uh, Mississippi. Even though Mississippi's had teams for many, many years, and so has uh, Baton Rouge, these are brand new FPHL teams. And we can't really judge them, right? But if we look at the teams that have been around for a few years, we know that Binghamton, Carolina, Columbus, Danbury, they're the top four teams, you know, organizations, organizations, We you may not always agree with how each organization handles themselves or whatever it might be, right? Whatever your gripe is with your your rival, so to speak, you know maybe Danbury doesn't like something that Binghamton does. Maybe uh, there's something that Carolina does that Columbus doesn't like, or whatever. Uh, Those rivalries also build interest into the league, which is obviously a good thing. You have to remember Rochester, Binghamton. Rochester or uh, Hershey Binghamton Binghamton Wilkes-Barre okay there were fans in Binghamton that went to a bus that housed uh, that brought in the booster club from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins they tried to rock the bus and roll the bus while people were on side of it so not everybody is innocent not everybody is free uh so we can judge whatever we want but uh You know, these kind of rivalries are important to hockey, um, but we also have to keep things in check just a little bit as well. I think if you're a Binghamton fan and you're thinking about all the Danbury stuff that's been going around, I think you need to uh, maybe be the bigger person and calm down just a little bit. I understand, you know, people are upset about the suspension to Daniel Amsbury on both sides. There are... Two sides to everything, okay? Daniel Amesbury works for an organization that their history and what they are as an organization is based on two years in the United Hockey League with the Danbury Trashers. There was obviously a movie, a a documentary done about that. One of my greatest friends in hockey Phil Jubileo who's been on the show even in the new version of the show who was gracious enough to come who and and talk to me he's a Danbury trasher he was their radio play-by-play broadcaster so I have a different perspective than maybe other people Um, do I think Daniel Inspire should be playing in the Federal Prospects Hockey League no and Do I agree with some of the Danbury people or the advocates for Dean Lansbury that he plays a different type of hockey? He does. But that's not the type of hockey that is being played in North America anymore. It's changed. And I think that's something that people have to realize who are supporters of Hensbury. It's why I don't believe he should be playing in the league. you're and and they are right 10 15 20 25 maybe 30 years ago that was the style of hockey but he's also playing against kids he's also playing against players that are not as big as him um that he can physically hurt even if they even if he does a regular move now Let's talk a little bit about what the FPHL said. Now, the FPHL reviewed the video and said that they deemed that hit an illegal hit. I'm not going to argue with that. If that's what they came up with, that's what they came up with. Some people on one side say, it's not a long enough suspension. He should be out of the game. Again, I agree he shouldn't even be playing in the league, but... That's just because I don't want to see someone get hurt like that. You can have big hits and not hurt somebody. He doesn't see it. That kind of thing keeps continuing to follow him. And I'm not going to get into name calling or any of that stuff. Do I understand why people feel to be so vile online? I don't. I really don't. It's kind of disheartening. I mean, we're a couple weeks away from Christmas and I, I just, I just don't, I just don't enjoy that anymore. Maybe I did at one point. I don't really know. Um, but I gotta be honest with you. I, 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 am tr- trying to stay out of the comments. I read pretty much everything and they're uh, both sides just going after each other. It, it feels like the politics of the last five or six years and I just don't want to be a part of it. So, Listen, he's, he's suspended for 18 games. At least we know that for the next 18 games that Danbury plays, he's not going to be on the ice. Uh, they're selling T-shirts, free, Amesbury. And that's, that's, just the, that's how that organization is going to be. They are going to be the villains within the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And just like Sean Avery said, there always has to be a villain because if not, you don't know who the good guys are. Okay, so that's just the way it is. Now, you can either waste your time or breath talking about him, which I've already spent at least five or six minutes now talking about him, or you can talk about hockey, and you can talk about all the other things that are going on um, and whatnot. So for me, that's all I'm going to say about it, right? Everybody knows my feelings on it. I don't think he should be playing in this league uh, because every time he gets around somebody, somebody gets injured, there are guys who have stopped playing altogether because of the injuries that they've sustained from Amesbury. And, of course, the you know there, there's actually guys who were injured pretty badly because of just the Danbury hat tricks. And, again, I don't want to cast anything on Billy McCreary, the head coach, or even some of the players on the team, Johnny Ruiz. I think they're very good players. And even with what happened this past weekend that Amesbury got suspended for, there was, um, some concern from Danbury people. So again, uh, and Danny Vanderweil was a former Binghamton black bear. That's why I think the black bear fans continue to get very disruptive about it and angry about it and whatnot. They saw what happened to Gavin Yates, Danny Vanderweil, now, uh, who's a former player. And, uh, you know, the same passion that the Danbury Hattricks fans have for that type of hockey is the same passion that a lot of teams' fans have for the way their team plays, carries themselves, and whatnot. And, you know, the judgment is, you know, really based on that. Listen, what it, what it comes down to is this. Uh, Binghamton hockey fans have been around for 51 years. They went through the slap shot error, and they've seen the errors of their ways, so to speak, with glorifying that type of hockey. And and let's be honest, and I, I continue to try to remind people of this, when you're a Binghamton fan, you have, you, you, you've already, you're a part of a Binghamton, the Binghamton hockey history that has already been a part of what Dan Barry and their fans are going through. Right, Some of their fans are great fans. They just go and they cheer on their team and they move on. Some of their fans are like the drummer boy and the former ownership group people who, you know, the Gelantes or whatever they're called, doing what they do. And Norm, the one owner going after the head coach. That's what they do. Well, Binghamton was a part of the Slapshot era. Go read some old articles about how the Binghamton Dusters, the Broom Dusters used to play and the Johnstown Jets and the Syracuse Blazers and all the commotions and the hatred between the fans and whatnot. It was pretty ugly at times. There were fights in the stands going through the Whalers' years. So I've already talked enough about it, but just understand, have a little bit of compassion because, yes, they are what they are, and maybe times are a little bit different than they were in the 70s. Uh, but uh, it's a little bit crazy. Let's get to hockey. Let's talk about last week's game against the Elmira River Sharks. A win, six to four. Now let's let's talk about for a second just what Binghamton has done. Binghamton has started off the season pretty well, right? They have eleven wins on the season. They have only one regulation loss. and They have three losses in overtime. They're doing pretty well, and there's got to be pretty much no complaints. Sure, you can clean up certain things, maybe a few less penalties. Maybe a puck or two that you would like to get back uh, that went past the goaltender. But otherwise, I think the game plan is being followed pretty well. Um, and again, just you know, clean up the penalties and, and that's really it. But 11 wins, uh, you really can't complain about that. Another good win against the Elmira River Sharks. This would the Black Bears' fourth win in a row. Okay, so they're going into this weekend series against the Carolina uh, Thunderbirds with a four-game winning streak. Five different players scored for the Black Bears. Connor Smith with two goals. He was returning from injury. Uh, Tyson Kirkby, Thomas Ray, Dakota Bond, and Josh Fletcher got goals. Um, and Josh Fletcher had the team's first shorthanded goal of the season. Uh, so that was kind of nice to see. And it was on an extra attacker, so the goalie was pulled. But it's still a stat in the stat sheet. You know, at least they can say, hey, we got a shorthanded goal. Um, uh, Sam Levitchi sc- earned his sixth win of the season, giving up four goals but saving 35 shots. He looked good. I could say that there's probably a couple uh, goals that he would like uh, to like back. Uh, two power play goals and a shorty in this game again uh Connor Smith came up big uh with both of his goals were beauties i mean they they these were just great shots when Connor Smith is on and he's doing Connor Smith stuff he's one of the best in the league without a doubt Brendan Stanko proved that um he's good in this league now Brendan Stanko has gone up to the SPHL Roanoke and i don't I haven't watched any of the games he's played a couple games and's got no points. Um, up there, it's a it's a tough game. It's a different type of game. People said it's a little bit um, more physical, more feisty. So pretty interesting. Uh, without Brendan Stinko, his longtime line mate Connor Smith still worked well with Ivashkin and centered by Jesse Anderson, who's got a lot of speed, great passing technique, and he just knows how to set up people. I mean, he's got like what 16 assists on the season right now. Doesn't have his first goal yet. Gavin Yates' interference penalty at the 5:27 mark of the second period leads to a one-game suspension. Now let's talk a little bit about this. I'm going to read the comments or the the post that uh, Dave Jackson of the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Uh, Put out there. So, Binghamton forward Gavin Yates has been suspended for one game under the supplemental discipline as a result of his actions during the FPHL game 65 in Binghamton, New York on Friday, December 1st. FPHL Director of Player Safety Dave Jackson stated, After his opponent had dumped the puck, Mr. Yates continued towards him and tripped him in a dangerous manner. I'm glad that the penalty was assessed, and I can certainly understand this only being called a minor in real time. After reviewing the video, which I reviewed it a couple times as well, I bel- he goes, I feel that this play rises to a higher level than a simple minor penalty. It was a dangerous and reckless play using the foot and upper body leverage to knock his opponent to the ice. The player remained down for a few seconds. It was obviously shaken up on the play. Fortunately, the injury was not more severe. Mr. Yates will be suspended one game for this. Now, I, I believe when reviewing the play and looking at it through Dave Jackson's eyes and hearing his explanation and, and seeing it, I kind of have to agree. Now, I want to say that I understand sometimes when players on the ice have penalties assessed against them, they don't always agree. I'd say probably 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, they don't agree. And they will say something. They'll have a look on their face. They'll shrug their shoulders like, you got to be kidding me, right? And this is hockey. It is a physical sport. I've heard this a lot lately, especially with the Ainsbury stuff. It's a contact sport, and it is. But again, if the rule of the play is if he's dumped the puck in and there's absolutely no point to really make this type of contact on a player that doesn't have the puck, he's already released the puck, the puck has moved on beyond him, there's really no sense of doing it. I would agree with this. This is an appropriate penalty and potential suspension that Gavin Yates was assessed. So... I'm okay with this, you know, because I get it. Again, if we want Amesbury to be out or be suspended longer or whatever, we have to trust the process. This is the first year that they have done this kind of communication, letting us know why guys are being suspended. I'm not going to crap on Dave Jackson or the FPHL in that sense, just like I'm not going to crap on the suspension that they gave to Daniel Lansbury. Again, I'm not saying they need to ban him. I just wish he wasn't in this league because of the way he goes. Again, I'm done. I got to stop talking about him. I don't want this to be about that. So, that's the play. I watched it. I kind of agree with it. I have no problems with the one-game suspension to, to Gavin Eats. Gavin Eats is not a dirty player. In some cases, when you go and you, you make a play like that, like some people suggest other people do as well, it's a part of that speed. I mean, you got 1.34 seconds, and you got to make a decision, and you either do or you don't. So the penalty is fine. The suspension is fine. Overall, I thought the Black Bears fought through diversity in this game to get a good win. Uh, would like to see less penalties in their game. But the penalty has been one of – the penalty kill has been one of their best um, assets this year, um, stopping a lot of penalty or power plays for the other teams and one of the better ones in the league. Um, this upcoming weekend, they got two upcoming games in Winston-Salem versus the seven-game winning streak Carolina Thunderbirds. That's right. They have won three or seven games in a row. Uh, someone's winning streak will come to an end. Either Carolina's seven game, two versus Blue Ridge, two versus Columbus, and three against Port Huron, or Binghamton's four-game win streak, which was three against Danbury, and uh, one versus Elmira. The last time the two teams met, they split the two games in Binghamton. Friday, November 10th, Carolina won in a shootout 5-4. And Saturday, November 11th, the next day, Binghamton won 4-2. to two. These were very good games. I got to be honest with you, I very much enjoyed them. A uh, little bit of physicality, but not going over the edge. And just some good hockey back and forth between the two teams. Uh, this will be the last time the two teams play this season, which is kind of unfortunate. You'll see that when I talk with uh, uh, Brendan Riley uh, coming up here on the Power Play post show, uh, he and I both kind of agree they were just really well played games against each other. Uh, JT Walters signed as a player assistant coach. Um, again, no surprise here. Coach uh, Sherwood loves JT, and his calmness and on the ice is evident. Uh, and why he's an alternate captain as well. So that's very good. And uh, let me see here. What is the other things I wanted to talk about today? Um, Are the Black Bears the best team in the FPHL? It's one of the topics I wanted to uh, kind of bring up and just give a quick couple thoughts on uh, so if we go to the standings, I'm going to pull up the standings here. Uh, this is Wednesday night. There's a couple other things I also got to bring up. Uh, let's talk about this. So Binghamton right now, Binghamton and Danbury have played the most games in the league, right? Binghamton has played 15 games. Uh, Danbury's played 16 games. I think Mississippi's played 14. Withville's played 14. Baton Rouge has played 14. And Motor City's played 14. Uh, so some of the other teams have haven't played up to that level yet. And I, th- I, find this, I find this kind of interesting, right? I, I, I kind of wish I had the time today to go through, you know, the, the teams that we've played so far. Here's what I want to say. They've won 10 games out of their 15. I, I'm sorry, 11 games out of their 15 that they've played, Right. And uh, only one regulation loss. The only other team to have w- only one regulation loss is the Columbus, Columbus Blue Jackets, or Columbus Blue Jackets, the Columbus uh, River Dragons. They have lost three games in, in uh, overtime, two in the shootout, one in regular overtime. And they do have, they have scored the most goals on the season. But defensively, and goaltending-wise, they have given up 46 goals. And there's other teams that just are, look better defensively, maybe, than than Binghamton. Even Watertown has only given up 45 goals. Motor City's only given up 38 goals in their 14 games. That's only one less game. Um, and when you look at Carolina, with only given up 27 goals, at Mario Cavalier is just so good. Columbus. Um, has only given up 30 goals in their 12 games. Now, that's three less games. Say if they play against Binghamton, Binghamton's average is uh, 4.5. So that's another 12 goals. That's that's getting them up close to uh, what Binghamton has given up so far. So my point is this. They got the best offense in the league. Yeah, I, I do believe that. I do believe that they have the best offense in the league. And I think if Carolina is going to win this weekend, they probably got us. you know, Binghamton probably is going to score three to four goals at least once, maybe even both games, right? And that means Cavalier is going to have to just be the best goalie that he can be. Now, he played well against Binghamton, and he played both games against Binghamton, but Binghamton was one of the teams to score over four goals or score four goals against him, and he hasn't allowed that much this year. Is Binghamton the best team? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. I I, I think because de, de, you know people talk about defenses, defense wins championships and goaltending wins championships. And one of the things that I've noticed that Binghamton hasn't done yet in the three years that they've been here, they haven't had a number one goalie. I like to think that they could have. Taylor Joseph could have been a number one goaltender for Binghamton. Joe Shepard could have been. Owen Liskowitz could have been a number one goaltender. But they really haven't had a number one goaltender. If you look at the goaltending stats for Binghamton, I do keep track of them. There's nobody that's really taken the reins and gone with it. I think Sam Levici can be that guy. But I think one of the things that is is something that is just not there yet with Binghamton in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. They haven't put confidence into one guy and just said, you're our guy. And what I mean by that is I can't remember one weekend. And Binghamton fans, if you're listening, you can definitely tell me I'm wrong on this. I can't remember one weekend where we had one goalie play all the games. Look at Carolina. He played 12 of the 13 games this year, Mario Cavalier. And he's, not, he's got nine wins, I believe it is. Nine wins, one loss. Something something to that effect. You know, he's played 12 games. So, uh, you know, and we've seen this with Brian Wilson for Danbury. Played like 45, 50 games last year. And just Binghamton hasn't done that yet. And I think that hurts their ability because... Sometimes goaltenders, and you'll, you know, this is a very normal thing. Sometimes goaltenders steal games for you. But if they can't get into a rhythm, and I'm sorry, if a goaltender can't play two games in a row or two games in a weekend, something wrong there. I really think that they could. So I think Binghamton is the best offensive team in the league without a doubt, hands down. Do I think they play some of the best team defense in the league? Absolutely, hands down. Do I think they're the best defensively coached team in the league? I don't know. That's a criticism. That's my opinion. Other people can disagree, but I don't know if that's the case because I don't know if when it comes to goaltending in three years between Rod Davidson, Gary Gill, and now Coach Sherwood, I don't know if they've put confidence into one goaltender and said, he's our guy. And the other guy is our backup. And other teams have certainly done that in this league. Right? Have confidence. And one of the things that I was talking about with Brendan Riley is that when Mario is in goal, the rest of the team doesn't have to worry. They have complete confidence and trust in Mario. And that's 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 something that is important for a team to win a championship. So, again... To the question of, are they the best team in the league? They have 35 points. They are number one right now. They have uh, the second-best winning percentage right now. Columbus is at 8.06 with 12 games played. We're at uh, 7.78 with 15 games played. I would say it's damn close that they're the best team in the league, but i, I just still con- a little concerned about defense, goaltending, and how you put it all together to make it the best Package completely. All right, so who needs to step up for the Binghamton Black Bears, right? That was one of the uh, questions that I. I I put on my preview for today's show. Who needs to step up, right? We already know that Ivashkin is having his normal uh, type of season. He's got 1.3 points per game average. Uh, Connor Smith is doing really well, 17 points. He's the cowboy. You know, we know that Jesse Anderson uh, probably would like to get that first goal soon. Uh, He was on the show last week, and, you know, I mean, he could have – Stepped up, but he didn't get that he didn't get those goals but he's got sixteen assists he's been playing some defense this year Tyson Kirkby's playing playing well eight goals seven assists fifteen points and Austin Thompson I think um clearly six goals six assists twelve points and we all know what brendan Stanko did when he was here so who needs to step up for this team to really um come together right and so I was looking up and down the stats I think I'd like to see a few more goals out of Thomas Ray. I'm not including uh, Donald Oliverianus. Thomas Ray has a really good shot. Thomas Ray has really good instincts. Yeah, I realize he's probably the smallest guy in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. He's a small guy, uh, low size. But I think in the 12 games that he's played, he should probably have a couple more goals than he's got and i'm not picking on him i'm just saying that you know he's a rookie he's got a, he's got a few more things to probably put together but i think he needs to uh you know maybe step up just a little bit and chip in a little bit more now of course the the black bears are doing really well now let's talk let's take a look at somebody on the defensive side who can step up on the defensive side not necessarily scoring but just having maybe better play overall, I think Dean Stone and I think um, Dan Weber have been really good this year, okay they've been consistent they have been on the team since day one they haven't missed a game, and I think that's great uh, Dan Stone is a plus nine and Dan Weber is a plus eight. Those guys have been pretty good I think Jt Walters he's the assistant captain. Uh, he is an assistant coach. He's an assistant coach and he's an alternate captain. And I think there's the potential for him when he's on the ice to maybe make another block shot, maybe deflect, maybe hit a little bit more. Uh, so I believe that he's the guy, because he's a veteran, you know, he's been playing in this league for a while. I'm going to pull up his stats for you guys because I, I really truly think that J.T. Uh, Walters is probably the guy that can step, a little, uh, step up a little bit more. You know, he's been in this league since 2018-2019. He's got 155 games in and I just think that play is good. It's really good and I know Coach Sherwood trust him, but maybe he could uh, step it up just a little bit more and I would like to see one more person Justin Samaro, I think there's some skill there that we haven't seen yet. I just don't think we have. So those three guys, I think they've all played well. I'm not knocking anybody. Thomas Ray's played well. He's got, you know, four goals, four assists. I really, truly believe that GT Walters is a leader who is giving Coach Sherwood what he wants, but maybe there could be another block shot. There could be a hit there that could happen. Um And Justin Samero. I just think that he can get on the score sheet a little bit more. Um, I, I think, th- I think it's in him. I think there's something there in him. And I know he usually plays on that third line. Sometimes he's the uh, tenth forward, uh, but that's pretty much it for that. I, I don't, again, these aren't really criticisms or critiques. These aren't really attacks on the players. Uh, because, again, we're probably looking at the best team in the league, right? But everybody can improve. There's improvements that everybody could have. I think the one thing that the team could definitely improve on a little bit more is winning more face-offs. But I think every team probably could put that into a, hey, we could do this a little bit better, okay? Um, so that's very interesting. So obviously we have the two games this weekend against Carolina – uh, we've split the series in Binghamton, and now we have the series coming up in Winston-Salem. I'm excited to watch those games on YouTube, probably flip back and forth between our friends uh, uh, Brooks Hill, of course, Brendan, Riley. You know, the two of them should just get together for the Saturday night game and call the game together. I think uh, that would be okay by me as uh, as well. But uh, I think Binghamton will have a great broadcast, um, which is kind of nice. I'm pretty sure that Winston-Salem can uh, pay their Uh, cable bill and make sure that they have the internet thing going so uh coming up next here on the power play post show from the carolina thunderbirds i'm excited for you guys to hear this interview he is brendan riley he is their play-by-play broadcaster and does all the media and communications uh direction for the team we'll be right back right after this right here on the Power Play Post show. Hi, this
2: is Don Biggs from the 92 93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Buchinsky. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post show.
0: Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I'm very excited to have this guest on with me. He comes to us from the Carolina Thunderbirds. Um, He is the director of media relations and communications. He is their play-by-play broadcaster. He's the guy you get to listen to uh, when you're watching on YouTube. Um, or all the different ways that you can uh, listen to the Carolina Thunderbirds. He is Brendan Riley. Brendan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on and good to talk to you about Carolina Thunderbirds.
2: Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, really excited for this. Um, you know, it was, it was great uh, a few weekends ago. Uh, great series between the two sides, and I uh, expected more of the same, but really excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So Brendan, you're a uh well what you told me off the air was is that you kinda grew up a little bit in Connecticut uh Connecticut, Central Connecticut, and then came down to the Carolinas. Uh uh were you uh, you know, an athlete? What what kind of sports did you like growing up?
2: Uh yeah. So uh, I grew up I, I was a big baseball player growing up. I played hockey for uh, for a year or two. Um and, when I lived in Connecticut, um, but I always went the more uh, baseball basketball route. Um, as I, you know, started to get older, but I, uh, but I grew up um, in Connecticut, and I grew up right around the the heart of the uh, of the Boston Bruins run. Um, you know, the 2011 Stanley Cup final, and and then being able to go back to even more finals after that. But uh, I grew up right in that that heat of uh, really probably the best era of Bruins hockey, in, in a little bit. So uh, hockey has always been. Um, Really, my my uh, my my one my one true love. Honestly, it's been a it, it easily became my favorite sport, and I uh, and I was just happy enough and lucky enough to be able to now get a chance to uh, to start uh, in my in, in my uh, hockey broadcasting uh, career here this year. But uh, um, it, it's uh, it's been it's been a fun ride so far.
1: Now, okay, so you're from Central Connecticut. You mentioned the Boston Bruins. I'm going to guess that, as you know, a, a young hockey fan, you were a Bruins fan, correct?
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, now, big, big Bruins fan.
1: Now, of course, you're talking about the uh the mid two thousands, early two thousands and whatnot. Was there a player that stood out for you that you enjoyed watching?
2: Um, I would probably put it down to two. I would put it uh at O'Chara, um, hmm. you know, the captain and his height and his physicality and, and uh his leadership he showed out there and then uh and then also Tim Thomas too. I mean what oh, he did wow. in that twenty eleven yep. run. yeah, what he did in that twenty eleven run was uh was uh, was something special and uh, you know I wish that he was able to get more than more than one cup of what he did in twenty eleven and uh, I believe he won the con Smite that uh, that year he too. Did. He did. Um, uh, but uh, he uh, he was he, he was someone that uh, I, I would try to recreate his saves after watching them, and and uh, and go from there. So uh, yeah, Big Z and then uh, and then uh, Timmy, uh, definitely the two that yeah, were a big part of uh, of my childhood. So
1: well, my wife and I are New York Ranger fans, but Zadeo Chara was just one of those guys you could not help but like. Always had a smile on his face. Um, I think mm-hmm. he enjoyed it when the the five foot like six. Player was trying look turn around, and go all right. Who's behind me? And they look at and it's like, oh, it's Chara. Um, yeah, never mind, <laughs> never mind. We'll, we're gonna move on here, from here. I, great presence on the ice. Always, he always seemed to have a smile on his face. Tim Thomas, probably one of the best uh, American-born uh, goaltenders who had a great run and everything. Um, but then you eventually made your way down to the Carolinas, correct? Yep. Uh,
0: yeah, when
2: I was uh, right before high school. Um, uh, my family we moved to uh, we moved to Charlotte, and that brought me down to the Carolinas, and uh, went to high school in Charlotte, and uh, and really set up there and and uh, started make that make that home. So uh, um, yeah, I loved, I loved living in Connecticut, and I loved um, you know I love being up there, but uh, moving down to uh, moving down to Charlotte was uh, well, it was uh, pretty was pretty pretty fun, and it was a, I thought it was a pretty good move, especially with. Um, you know where I what I wanted to do and and where I wanted to go, and uh, I I think that um, coming down in the Carolinas it was a great uh, it was a great experience, great life experience, and uh, I think it uh, I think it really helped me um, really helped me out in a lot of aspects. But yeah, coming down to the Carolinas, like I I I love it, I love it down here in the Carolinas.
1: Did you um, did I, you I, do you miss the snow at all? No,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, uh, no. We get it. We get about our half inch of snow down here, and that's uh,
1: that's all I need. Uh, that's all I need for uh, for the calendar year. So. <laughs> yeah. No. That's 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 pretty hilarious. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people that I know that have moved from the Northeast uh, down Carolinas, Florida, or anything. A lot of a lot of times, I'll say, "Hey, do you miss the snow?" And I'm like, "No, not really. I really, I really don't miss the snow." Um, so. Obviously in Charlotte, I mean there's the Charlotte Checkers of the American Hockey League, they were in the ECHL uh for a very long time before moving to the uh before moving to the American Hockey League. Were you able to get to any of the uh Checkers games?
2: Uh so I actually didn't end up going to my first Checkers game until I until I went to college. Um I'd gone to I'd gone to Hurricanes games in high school. Sure. I'd make the I would make the trip up there mo- mostly when the Bruins were coming or coming to Raleigh, but uh but uh, I I ended up being able to get to some checkers games after after I went to college when I was back for uh, for winter break, um, and uh, I, I mean they, they put on a great show down there. They uh, they, they, they run very well, and it's enter, entertaining hockey. Um, it's entertaining hockey too. So uh, um, yeah, the checkers checkers were fun. Their games are fun and, and uh, usually pretty competitive as well. So do,
1: do you think there could ever be a time? Because I mean, there's there's obviously. Three notable teams in North Carolina right now for hockey: NHL, AHL, and the FPHL. Do you do you ever foresee a time where the FPHL Thunderbirds can be an asset to the American Hockey League and the NHL? I mean, of course, I mean, there's a couple levels in between, or or at least one level in between with the ECHL uh, being in between. But can you see and a value because to me right now in the FPHL you have I think four, five really solid franchises, right? You've got Binghamton, you've got uh, Danbury, you've got Carolina, you've got um, Columbus, maybe Motor City will will turn that way as Scott Brand, you know, starts to improve what's happening in Motor City. Uh, but you've got Mississippi. Can these teams eventually, in your opinion, you've only been there a short time, I know maybe this is a tough question for you, can they start to become an asset? Can you guys be an asset to maybe the Charlotte Checkers at some point?
2: I think that um, when when you look at this league and and how it can play a factor, I'm not sure if it's going to be a a direct asset, but I think that this league is great for um, the smaller cities in in these states at at times to be able to continue to grow the game of hockey. I think that that this league does a great job being able to draw in fans from places. We're about an hour and a half from Charlotte. We're an hour and a half from Raleigh. So we're kind of right in the middle. And I think that uh, I think that this league, and I'm going to say this, that uh, what the Thunderbirds have been able to do is that they've been able to really grow the game of hockey in the yeah. area. And I think that uh, in, in a place like the South, where you don't really think of the South being big, big into hockey, if you're looking at it from the outside, but I think that the I think that this has been a great uh, a great place that uh, to be able to grow the game of hockey and grow the love because. Um, there are a lot of passionate fans, and a lot of fans of the Thunderbirds are also fans of the Hurricanes. And I know people that they go to if the Hurricanes are playing on Saturday, they're at our games on Friday, or if they go to our two games Friday, Saturday, and the Hurricanes have a Sunday game, they're at a hockey game. Uh, they're at a hockey game all three days of the weekend. I think that this league, uh, as I said, is a great way to continue to grow the game of hockey and expose people to the game of hockey, and that it just continues to build that brand and build the excitement. around the sport.
1: Yeah. Now you said you went to the University of Miami um, specifically for uh, sports management or broadcasting. What was your uh, major uh, going down there?
2: Uh, my major was uh, was broadcast journalism. I, uh, yeah. I knew I knew from a pretty young age. After I realized that uh, my sports career wasn't going to continue after uh, at, after high school, that uh, I still wanted to be around the game. I wanted to be at arenas. I want to be. I wanted to be a part of the action somehow and um uh, I, I was always pretty set on broadcasting i went down for broadcast journalism i learned the whole you know tv news production side of things but um i was able to join the student radio station uh, as a freshman and be able to start calling games started off calling volleyball then went on to men's women's basketball baseball and then football um never never got the chance to to call hockey in college the uh uh, the club team played about an hour away, um, an hour away from campus, and they usually played um, at, a, at, a, at 10, 11, midnight. Um, so it wasn't really uh, an opportunity there. Uh, but yeah, I was able to go down to Miami. They had everything that I that I wanted, and uh, and, and it was a really fun four years. Um, and it was a really, I thought that it really set me up to do um, do some good things uh, after I graduated.
1: I think it's probably pretty dangerous to have a Connecticut kid down in Miami for college for four years, but it sounds like you made it out. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I (laughs) did. Um, yeah, no, but it was, uh, um, I'll forever, I'll forever be thankful for my four years there and for everything that place was able to do for me. So, uh, um, it, it, it was a great, it was a great time, and and I really learned a lot over those over those four years.
1: Now you've called baseball and you've called hockey, now right? So can you take one? Can you take something from baseball and uh and and, and bring it into a hockey broadcast? And can you do take something from a hockey broadcast and 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 bring it into a baseball broadcast? Because. The games are vastly different, but you know, broadcasting is broadcasting. Is there things that you can take from either sport when it comes to the broadcasting side of things and kind of mix it up? Because I, I, I listen. I mean, I could sit there and listen to a Bob Costas baseball call all day long, um, mm-hmm. and I know he used to do hockey back in the the late seventies and early eighties when he was just getting started out and everything. And and that that happens a lot. Baseball guys and uh, hockey guys will intermix sometimes, being able to broadcast, especially in the minors, to pay the bills and everything, is there something that you've seen so far that you can take uh, to to both sides?
2: Um, I think that the biggest component that now um, I'm still, you know. Being being 23, just continuing to try to develop on. Uh, no matter no matter what sport you're calling, you're, you're still trying to tell a story, and, and there's yeah. there's still that storytelling aspect. That um, in baseball, you have a lot more time to be able to tell those stories. Um, you know, you have three. Three and a half hours. Uh, pitch clocks help that out, but uh, yeah, so uh, we'll three, two and a half. But uh, but uh, but in baseball, you have a lot of time to tell those stories and a lot of time to tell that story. Where in hockey, the game's so fast paced and the game is um, and, and the game you know is nonstop action for the most part that um, you, you really try to have to pick your moments so when you want to try to tell that story. And that's something that um, I've I've been trying to focus on. So now I'm continuing to try to try to work on is. How to be able to take that components of storytelling from baseball, right? All that time, and now move that over to hockey when there's less time because of the action. But um, the storytelling component—that that, at the end of the day, that's what a play-by-play broadcaster does—is he's there to help tell a story to the viewer, to the listener, and that's something that um, you know still trying to continue to work on and, and continue to figure out here as the season goes on.
1: Now, the uh, the team right now is on a seven-game winning streak. Um, which is very interesting. Uh, obviously, the last time they lost a game was against Binghamton, who comes into town this weekend. Um, and those were two very good games uh, between the Carolina Thunderbirds and the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, but let me ask you. Let me ask you this: before we get into Binghamton and Carolina, let's talk about Carolina and Columbus. Uh, there's still a time difference. Not a time difference, but a, a, there's a pretty big distance between the two teams have you seen why yet yeah, and I know it's early in your career being even at Carolina do you know why these two teams the the fan bases i mean they're really into this rivalry between Carolina and Columbus
2: Yeah uh before we went down there i remember uh fans telling me um to be ready uh to be ready because <laughs> because of the of the history and i think that um part of that is the fact that um uh they, they ended up uh, this year and then even years before, they ended up having uh, former Thunderbirds on there. So that always adds an element to, to things. But also, um, the two sides, uh, they see each other uh, when it comes uh, late in the season. They see each other, uh, I think, uh, the most or the second most throughout the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's just a history there between the two sides. It even goes back to you know last year's playoffs. And the games are always intense. The games are always uh, they're always tight. I mean, our, our series against them, we uh, we came from behind late in the third, in a shootout, and then uh, game two, it was it was another come from behind. We ended up winning in overtime. But uh, I, I think that the two sides, there's uh, the, the fan bases, they know each other, um, they know each other pretty well, even even with the change. But I know that uh, we had we had Thunderbirds fans there at the Civic Center on that Friday night, and there was fans at the Annex. Uh, uh, from Columbus that were there on Saturday night, so I think that uh, I think that the two sides being uh, franchises uh, historically that have been successful, and the two seeing each other, um, seeing each other, you know, multiple times, many times throughout throughout the course of the season and then the playoffs, it just adds that element to uh, to. To, uh, to those games that just makes them have that uh, larger feeling that bigger feeling that uh, that it's a little bit more important do
1: you, do you like that as a broadcaster especially even a new broadcaster coming in and knowing that there's already a built-in rivalry that you don't even have to sell it all you have to do is say Columbus and fans are either going to cheer or boo and go nuts and everything uh, just because of that is is that kind of like an e- does that make your job a little bit easier because the the rivalry is already built in?
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, I know that uh and I know that when we play them fans fans are tuning in or fans are uh or fans are coming to the annex and it uh, it, it makes it more fun for me when it when it turns into a uh when it turns into a a bigger a bigger game, and just like how the guys elevate their elevate their their play on the ice when they when they're facing off against you know a good team, um, when it when it comes to that, uh, for me up in the booth, it, it, it's definitely the same sentiment. I want to try to be able to a, put the best broadcast out there, and and uh, and try to be able to uh, to help tell the story, and bring that excitement to uh, to to a rivalry that deserves it.
1: Um the last three games last weekend, uh, you guys played three in a row, three games and three nights. Uh, it's definitely something that um, when the HL got rid of it, I was I was happy for. It. And now we're back. And now I'm in the FPHL covering uh, hockey. And uh, I'm like, darn, th- threes and threes are back and everything. But it's it's a weekend. It's a weekend league. I totally get that and everything. Uh, but against Port Huron. Two of those games, close games, and everything. Maybe the first game, you know, a four-one victory uh, for Carolina. Maybe not so close and everything. But talk about what you guys saw against Port Huron. Um,
2: yeah, they're 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 a good team. They're gonna they're gonna cause some problems. I know that uh, I know they're in the middle of the of our division right now. But they're they're a good team. They 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 come at you, and um, I think that coming off of a of a big weekend with the sweep over over Columbus mm-hmm. on Friday night, uh, the guys had to get back uh build back up to it and and uh, and try to avoid that letdown but uh I mean on Friday night they came out fast for year on they started to find their footing they started to uh um, get more sustained zone time as that game went on. They started to put pressure on, and um, we never trailed. The uh, Thunderbirds never trailed Friday night, but um, but it, it was tight going down to the wire, and got an insurance goal with about two and a half minutes left, made it 3-1, then got the empty netter. And then on Saturday and Sunday, um, I, I, I mean, Saturday was a, was a fun one, uh, Port year on. Um, they, they ended up tying in with 30 seconds left, and then in overtime, uh, Jacob Schnapp was able to win it. Um, and then, and then Sunday it was a true come from behind victory that, um, that Port Huron they came out and they were, they were, they were putting the pressure on there early. They were able to get, uh, get some goals. They took uh, a pair of two goal advantages, but, um, you know, Thunderbirds ended up scoring four and answered to be able to win it or three of those coming in the third. And I thought that, uh, I thought that even, even at the tail end of, of, a, of a three and three that, uh, at the, at the legs looked good. Uh, it looked like that, um, it looked like that when, once the tide started to turn. That's really when, um, right around the end of the second period. That's when. That's when uh, Carolina was able to able to turn it up and it ended up resulting in coming away with uh, eight points on the weekend.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, very good to get those, uh, you know, eight points and whatnot. But now coming into a series um, versus Binghamton, uh, the first two games that these t- these uh, two teams played against each other. Uh, a little bit of a score fest in the first game where um you know Carolina got the win in the, the shootout five to four. Binghamton turns around at home a uh, very tough place to play, obviously get the win four to two and i and I felt like the way the two teams matched up I was like that made sense, right? They split the series on a weekend uh, you know one game apiece. What did you see? of the Binghamton uh the Binghamton games the two Binghamton games the Binghamton players specifically that you guys don't maybe see against Carolina or against Columbus or against Port Huron or even Withville
2: I thought I thought that the combination of physicality and speed and then uh of course skill uh from Binghamton was something that uh Going into that weekend, that the guys hadn't uh, guys hadn't seen uh, throughout the uh, throughout the first four games of the year before that series, and um, I think that it was a good it was a good test um, it was a good test for for both sides really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, as you said, game one was a high scoring shootout. Game two, um, game two, uh, I you know, I didn't think that Carolina played all that well. Well, they were able to hang around. I thought that. Uh, Benginson did a great job responding after after the uh, after the loss the night before, and I thought that they came out and, and they really um, they they really put the pressure on. I think that that's what this uh, Benginson team, for at least for me looking at it from a distance, has been able to do, and why that the uh, why the Black Bears have gone off to a, uh, I mean the best start here in the league. But I think that it was that combination of size of, of size. Uh, physicality and, and, then the, and then all around skill was something that uh, it made it made for it to be a be a great week in our hockey up there in Binghamton. um and and, and it should it should shape up to be another another big one here this weekend, another good one.
1: Yeah, you know, if someone asked me to predict, I'd be like, oh, it's probably going to be a split again, right? You know, one team is going to get the advantage. Um, in one game, and it'll probably turn around. I think you got two head coaches that kind of understand their players really well. I think you have a couple leaders, you know, Tyson Kirkby and Gus Ford, who are just good leaders, uh, you know, for their players on the ice and everything. So, I mean, if someone came to me and said, "Oh, you got to predict," I'd be like, "It's another split." I mean, that's that's how I would call it because. Um, I, I can't see one team dominating another, um, especially, you know, Binghamton I don't think is going to go in and just dominate the Carolina Thunderbirds on their home ice and, and whatnot. It just, it, it just wouldn't make sense. Carolina is one of the top teams in the league. Uh, would you agree that it's one of those things where you, you come into this and you go, yeah, you know, if we, if we, if we win both games, great. You kind of feel lucky doing that, but a split feels right.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a it's it's a tough matchup to really to really put a put a prediction down to go one way or another. I yeah. think that it's um, two of the most uh, skilled teams in the league um, uh, from uh, on both sides, and I think that just sets up for it to be a. To be a great weekend of hockey, and something that's going to be really, really entertaining for um, not only Carolina and Binghamton fans, but I think for the rest of the league, uh, the rest of the league as well. I, I think that um, when you get these matchups, and even you know early on in the season, first half of the season, I think that um, you know when I've talked with Coach Harrison and said. Uh, he talked about it that first weekend in Binghamton, talked about it that series against Columbus. So you almost get that, uh, a, a playoff type feel because yep. you know that, uh, team on the other side is, is one that is probably going to be there, uh, in the long run and one that you could be seeing down the road, um, come, come playoff time. Um, so I think, I, I think this weekend, um, you know, uh, you, you can't really put a prediction on it if, if a team's going to be able to take it. But I think that it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting weekend, an exciting brand of hockey, and, and one that I'm very, very excited to uh, to be able to see and, and be a part of as well. Who's
1: the Who's the guy? I mean, we obviously everybody knows Gus Ford and what he has accomplished with Carolina, and uh, he's in his third season. Believe the. Captain of the team, if I remember correctly, um, and but when you look at the rest of the roster, who's the guy that you're like? That guy is going. I mean, is there somebody new on the team that you're going to be like? Oh yeah, this guy right here by the end of the season is going to be one of our better players.
2: Um, I from from the new guys, I'm really impressed with um, really impressed with the uh, the, the two Keeley twins, uh, Nate and mm-hmm. Clay. Uh, both their first year, they spent a little time in a uh, little time in the SP last year, but they uh, they, they they've come in and, and their physicality and their and their toughness has really shown. Ones that ones a defenseman, ones a forward, um, and Clay the defenseman, he's come in and he's been able to make himself a top line defenseman, and um, he comes in, he's super physical. Um, he anytime there's a puck in the corner, you find himself down there, and he he puts some pretty big hits. Um, but I think I think the two Keeley twins have been great, but. Um, so some other guys that uh, are, are returners that have really yeah. been able a big uh, a big part of this team. You look at Peter Banachik. he's got he's tied with Gus Ford for most points on the team now. Gus says. Uh, twelve goals, nine assists, but on the other side, Peter, he's only got three goals but he's got eighteen assists. He, he he does a great job being able to facilitate and be able to find and be able to find guys and create those chances. And then uh, I think Dawson Baker as well and, and, and that whole first line uh, of Ford uh, Baker as well as Dominic Dumas. They they they've done a great job being able to combine that uh, size from Dumas, you got the skill from Ford, and then you got, uh, and then you just have a finesse from Dawson Baker, and, and, and it really showed. Uh, and it's, he, he's coming off a hat trick on Sunday, um, and, and I think that Ford, Finatich, and Baker—they've really been three, um, th- the three uh, big spots and big factors as to why here so far this year that uh, that uh, this this attack for Carolina has been able to uh, be so potent at times.
1: And of course, Carolina has. Probably one of the premier goaltenders in the league right now. Somebody who I personally think can play at a higher level. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Mario?
2: Yeah, Mario has been he has been terrific here this year. Um, he, he's a great guy off the ice too, which which makes it even better. But um, he he's been terrific. He he's been able to win us a couple games, and then even in in games where he hasn't been asked to do much, he's still there. He's he's such a He's such a steady hand uh, in between in between the pipes that um, the team just has so much confidence out on the ice when when he's there because they know that they can they can play a little bit more freely because they know that he's back there. And, uh, you know, at times maybe bail him out, but, but at times he's always there. He, he, his positioning has been great this year and he's just been, he's he's been, he's been terrific to start off this season and he he is a big factor as to why Carolina has been been able to get off to 11 and two start.
1: And I, and I think probably one of the smartest things that Carolina has done is they brought in Frankie McClendon because he is a guy that when you need to give Mario that rest, that break, especially in the three games and three nights, you don't want you do, you don't want your your top guy playing three games and three nights when it comes to a, a goaltender. You can bring in Frankie and he's got the ability as well to put up good numbers in a backup role.
2: yeah, he's been able to provide some some depth to uh some depth to the uh, to the goaltending um, equation um mario he played the first 12 games of the year and, and frankie got his first start on uh his first start on sunday and uh gave up a few goals but he was able to bounce back and he was able to put up a, a scoreless third period when when they needed it most and and the offense was able to uh able to do or the attack was able to do the rest and so i think that uh i think that um, Mario and Frankie together. You watch them at practice every day. They're they're they they get along really well. They're they're always smiling and they're very supportive of each other. And uh, I I think that um, when you pair those two together, that um, it, it makes it a very good tandem. And, and it knows that and it lets lets the team know that um, no matter what, what game it is, who's in that, that there's always a good chance to be able to come away with points there in that uh, there in that game.
1: Now I know the Carolina Carolina fans already know this, uh, but the Binghamton fans may not know this specifically um, but Roman Kramer got called up Uh, he's a player that was able to you know I mean show off your skill and you get a call up and 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 that's a good part about this league is that guys can come in who didn't think that they were going to be able to continue their playing career you know coming out of juniors uh, or coming out of uh, you know d2 or d3 hockey or club hockey and Roman Kramer is one of those guys who came in, shows off some skill, and he's already gotten a call up and everything. And that's that's a great part of this league that you know guys have this opportunity to do this.
2: Yeah, he was uh, Kramer for the time that we had him. He he was slotted right into that first line with Ford and Baker, and uh, he and he he was fun to watch. the The pure skill that he has with the puck on his stick was was something that was 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 a treat, and um, you know, he was a physical guy, fast guy. And uh, he was able to get that call up, up to Knoxville. And, and the funny part about that is the uh – the head coach of Knoxville is actually um, Steve Harrison's son, Andrew Harrison. So, uh, <laughs> so he's still he's still with uh, he's still with one of the Harrisons. But uh, but yeah, no. But for him to get called up, in, in the first game he got called up on, he scores a hat trick up in the uh, up for Knoxville in the SP. And and, and and as you said, this is a great way for guys to be able to uh, show down here that they that they can thrive and excel, and then they get the opportunity to go up, and and they're able to. to um, showed up there as well i think it puts a puts a good look on on, on the league and, and for mm-hmm. a guy like kramer i i know that um it's very exciting you know we we didn't want we didn't want to see him go necessarily but <laughs> a, a great opportunity for him and uh great opportunity for him but and uh and uh so it was a uh, it is good to see him thrive up there and uh and uh but yeah but yeah do we miss him yeah yeah because he, he was a good guy and great uh, great player but uh but uh, but that's, that's part of this league and, it, yeah.
1: and it's one of the good parts of this league yeah Brendan Stinko uh, as well for Binghamton is now up with Roanoke and uh, again same type of situation he came in here at the end of last year played a few games but this year really started off hot and strong and has been called up to the Roanoke uh, uh, rail dogs so that's that, that's obviously you know a great thing for both of these players to see that uh, Brendan uh, you know you guys do YouTube do you guys have radio as well?
2: Yes, we do. Yep, yeah, we uh, we simulcast on a uh, local radio station here in
1: town. Excellent, excellent. So, two ways to listen uh, to you and everything, uh, Brendan. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. It'll be fun. Couple games this weekend. It's the. The last two of the season—that's uh, the sad part, right? You know, because I know Brooksy would like to get down to Carolina a little bit more than than he does, because he is from, um, you know, from Central uh, 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 North Carolina and everything. So, but I know he's excited about coming down. He has to be. I mean, he, when when I when when we talked about uh, uh, Carolina and, and the trip down to Carolina, it's like you could see the smile on his face through the radio screen um, or through the radio speaker and everything. So. Good good games this weekend, obviously, um, and uh, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate talking to you. Hopefully we'll get uh, either a Carolina player on in the future or maybe get you back to talk about the Thunderbirds again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate this, Bob. This is uh this is great. Um yeah, no, really excited and, yeah, uh likewise. Uh, sending say I really really liked it up there in Binghamton. really liked the uh really like the rank and how and how everything was ran up there. So yeah, a little sad not be able to get back up there to the uh Visions Veterans but uh but yeah, no, uh, looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to another two games, uh Good two games between two of the uh, best teams in the league, and it should be a lot of
1: fun. And maybe the two teams will meet each other in the finals. Who knows? It's a little <laughs> early to talk about it, but it's it's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Brendan, thank you very much, and we'll be right back right after this right here on the Power Play Post Show.
0: A Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out binghamtonhockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's binghamtonhockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And if you're a new listener, maybe from Carolina, from the Winston-Salem era, or from anywhere around the Federal Prospects Hockey League, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining the Facebook uh, group. And I, I realize it's going to be Binghamton-centric, uh, but you'll you know if you're a team like in Mississippi or Port Huron where you don't see us that often or don't see us that much, You might learn something about the Binghamton Black Bears and maybe even about the history of Binghamton hockey, uh, which is now in its uh, 51st year of being in existence. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe and you never know, we might be doing a broadcaster from your team very soon or a player or somebody um, kind of important. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just join Facebook and, uh, or just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show uh, and you'll get all of our updates there. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all of your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Lopolis, our MC. John Pettitucci our musical director and our guest this week director of media relations and communications play-by-play broadcaster of the Carolina Thunderbirds Brendan Riley Thank you very much everybody for listening I appreciate it I am Bob Howard this is the Power Play Post Show
0: For listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show, be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.